This is Catalog and Cocktails. Hello, everyone. It's time once again. It's Wednesday. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at data.world and joined by Hey, I am Juan Cicada. I'm the principal scientist here at Data.World. And as always, it is a pleasure to spend the rest uh, the middle of the week uh, and the, the end of the Wednesday and just chat about data. And uh, today, as always, we have some awesome, awesome, great uh, topics and, and, and guests. And today we have Tejas Manohar, who is the co-CEO of High Touch, which is the company which is really pioneering this new area of reverse ETL, which is going to be our topic today. Tejas, how are you doing? Hey, doing well. I'm tuning in from uh, New York City right now, usually in San Francisco, but I'm over on the East Coast for uh, for a week, drinking my fifth or so cup of coffee of the day, probably, <laughs> uh, just to uh, just to enjoy this show. Awesome! Thanks awesome. for joining us. Uh, so, drive us in directly to our uh, tell and toast segment. So, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for? So, you're drinking your nth coffee of the day. How about you, uh, Tim? I am drinking a uh, maple rye old fashioned. I'm testing out some rye. I don't usually make rye cocktails. I usually do bourbon and scotch. So trying out some rye and it's pretty tasty. Uh, and I'm going to actually cheers to the beginning of the NFL season. As some of you may know, who've been listening, I am a Cleveland Browns fan and my team is actually good this year. So I look forward to that. Well, I'm actually let me start with my toasting. I am in Europe right now. I'm in Amsterdam and I'm toasting for actually being able to go start traveling and go visiting customers and, and, and conferences, hybrids. This is fantastic to be back. Uh, it's still a little weird in this era of COVID, but that's going to be the new thing. And I told the hotel bar what I was up to. Uh, I want to get a shout out to Jill from our hotel at Hotel Mercier in, in Amsterdam. And she prepared, first of all, this is a cocktail called Porn Star. It is a passion fruit liqueur, vanilla, vodka, lime juice, and egg white. But she said, I should have a second drink too. And it has to, has to be very, very uh, Dutch. And this is what she called the Jennifer Ale. And it's Jennifer, which is a special Dutch drink out of juniper berries and ginger ale. So I got actually two drinks here. So this would be a fun episode. So thank you so much for joining from <laughs> Europe. And and it's probably not even Wednesday anymore for you, right? No, it's it's probably Wednesday. creeping into Thursday, right? And it's 11 p.m. and I'm literally ending my day with this. So this That's is a nice. great <laughs> so, um, Well, very excited to have you here at Tejas. This is going to be a, a great conversation and, and glad we can bring all sorts of geographies here today. Yeah, around the whole world and back. So <laughs> our, our warm-up question today is, uh, what acronyms make you SMH? shake my head that's what it means right <laughs> yeah fair enough um so i actually like reverse etl i think a lot of people don't so i'll throw another acronym under the bus um cdp cdp is one that i, I don't like customer data platform probably because it makes it hard to make anything in this space i think everything is a customer data platform what what isn't these days if you really think about it <laughs> that's, that's what we always answer. start off with right? The question is, hey, what is a customer? Like customers are all over the place. That's, how about you, Tim? You know, um, 
a serious answer is, uh, you know, MDM is kind of a confusing one, like master yeah, data management, a... metadata management, like both, like, especially master data management always kind of like weirded out by like master data, like interesting. Um, a goofy one, though, is um, Adidas. Um, all day I dream about soccer. Is that actually what it means? Or is that fake? I don't know. Was I told Wait, that a story real? when I was younger? I didn't What's know that actually meant something. Interesting. I had no idea. Neither yeah, I'm I. not sure if that's a real thing or well, not, but may maybe well, it is. <laughs> well, so I'll, that's a follow with mine. My is uh, TIL. Today I learned. Today I learned that Adidas means all I day all day I dream about soccer. But the other one is a uh, raffle, right? Raffle because it should be R O T F L. Rolling on the floor laughing. But anyways, uh, with that, um, that's got to be one of our weirder uh, segments. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, let's get serious. Let's get serious. Okay. So honest, no BS, TJ. So here's actually super interesting that in the last six hours, I've had three different conversations where reverse ETL has come up. Wow. And all of them, and all of them have been WTF, what is reverse ETL? So honest, no BS. What the heck is reverse ETL? Because we all know that ETL stands for extract, transform, and load. Shouldn't it be LTE or whatever? But anyways, what the uh, honest no BS, what is reverse ETL? Yeah, so reverse ETL, honestly, with terms, you just got to follow the one that's sticking. And what reverse ETL really is, is uh, a specialized form of ETL. It's about moving data from the warehouse into different operational systems around the company. So imagine you have all your data in your warehouse and you use a typical ETL provider, like a five trend to get it in there. We do the opposite. So you can take the data from the data warehouse or data lake or anything that can run SQL and move it into different operational systems. Um, this is the reverse of a typical typical ETL process. You're probably wondering, is that just ETL? Yes, yeah, it is just that's, ETL. That's the next question I have right now, like it is definitely just ETL in a lot of ways, but the interface is just so much different than the data replication tools um, that you see in the market today, like a Fivetran or Stitch or anything like that, that are really focused on just getting data into the warehouse can be there in any format, as long as it's getting there reliably, like you can query it in SQL and that's all you really care about as a user of something like one of those services. But with reverse ETL, there's a very different interface to use it. Customers need a lot of control on how the data appears in a system like Salesforce um, or Facebook ads or Google ads. Uh, those systems can look completely different than each other, whereas a database or data warehouse is always you know, the same. Um, and then uh, people, a lot of different personas can come into your reverse ETL platform to actually configure this thing. So sales ops can manage how the fields are going in Salesforce, like a marketing uh, ops person can manage how these fields are going into an ad tool. Financial person can manage how the fields are going to SAP or NetSuite. So reverse ETL, it's really just opening up ETL and saying, as the data warehouse becomes a source of truth for, for data around the company, everyone actually wants to ETL stuff into the tools they actually use. Um, and reverse ETL platforms like HighTouch are just trying to make all those capabilities super simple and accessible without coding. So there's a different technology paradigm. There's a different persona paradigm. Um, you started to get a little bit into why people want to do reverse ETL. Um, like what is the business value there? And can you give maybe an example, a popular example of, a, of a, maybe something that people try to do with reverse ETL? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, why reverse ETL? At a, at a high level, the, the idea is it's, it's solving a pretty age-old problem. People need data about what customers are doing in their different line of business tools. So if you look at a tool like Salesforce, it's only as useful as the information inside of it. If I'm a B2B SaaS company like, let's say, um, uh, Plaid, one of our customers. If I'm, if I'm Plaid, 
and I, I use a tool like Salesforce to talk to my customers. Now, if, if I'm a sales rep at Plaid and I'm trying to look for opportunities to upsell customers on new features, uh, sell them new big bigger plans of uh, credits and different things like that, and I have no idea from Salesforce any information except when's the last time I contacted this customer, how much are they paying me, et cetera, um, that's not very useful. But if I, if I can extend my Salesforce instance to have information about, you know, how many API credits does the customer use this month? What features of the platform they're using, et cetera? That's super useful. And that information about what customers are actually doing is being centralized in data warehouses in, in practically every sizable company today. So a really common use case of, of Hightouch is just taking the information from data warehouses, stuff you might be pulling up in Looker reports or Tableau reports, and just bringing it into the different systems that teams actually live in, like Salesforce. So you can kind of 10x the value of these tools um, yeah, so super common use cases for B two B companies. So, one of the things that I, I'll be honest, I complain a lot, especially on this show, is that there's all these amount of different boxes. I mean, you go through again. I talk about this the the Andreessen Horowitz uh, architectures, right? The the, the Bessemer Ventures uh, modern data stack, and they have 15, 20 different boxes of it. And and reverse ETL, or I was looking at it today, is data loading, and they call it ingests and they call it reverse i think what they do so we have so much stuff out there and what really scares me is that we're gonna have to go people are thinking about i need to go buy 15 things and we're gonna have to go figure out how to go connect all these 15 things together do we really do we really need something like this like would it i mean i can imagine that you can just go do this directly and you use an existing etl tool or use existing uh, uh apis to go talk to to your warehouse like why do we really need something else because honestly i don't i, I just feel that we're just adding more stuff into the mix and this is not going to go in, into the right direction yeah yeah I mean, really, I think, uh, I honestly think reverse ETL is going to be one of the, the biggest categories people think of when, when they when they think about data warehouses. I'm obviously biased, but but the reason I think this is when you buy a data warehouse today, you need to present the information to your users. BI is the most common way to do so today, right? You show a report in Tableau, show a report in Looker, but really users are becoming more and more savvy and they want more and more capabilities with this data that's verticalized to their uh, unit they're in. So if you think about it, a marketer is living in a marketing platform, a salesperson is living in a sales platform, financial person is living in a finance finance platform like SAP or NetSuite, and they need good data in there to actually operate effectively. And that's what Reverse Detail is all about. It's about making the data analyst team able to actually impact the, the true business workflows of each of these teams around the company. And that problem only grows as the scale of the company grows. You can do it in-house using, you know, writing your own scripts, writing your own APIs, but then you really lose two things. One, a bunch of time, because it's tons of data engineering work to go figure out the APIs of all these foreign systems, how to plug into them, all that stuff. And then two, you just can't democratize different parts of the organization to be able to modify those scripts. Um, if you're an engineer, it's okay to go modify, you know, Python scripts to change how data flows into a tool like Salesforce. But if you're a data analyst that only knows SQL or for you're on the sales ops team, or something like that. It's it's completely um, you know unfathomable to be able to go into something like Airflow or Python and change those pipelines. You kind of need a platform that has like a UI to change how the data from the warehouse is actually going into one of these systems. But I think really, if we look at analytics projects at large, like most of them, I think fail due to companies not being able to figure out the right way to empower their business users with the actual information to make the information useful for them. And reverse ETL is a is honestly one of the the newer solutions in the space, um, other than other than existing BI tools to do this. 
you know that that we got an interesting question here in our uh, in our chat that uh, that is extending a little bit on, on what some of you're talking about is here um, that there's this long long-standing problem with data warehouses around lack of standards for moving data into the repository uh, and Jeff mentions he's personally skeptical that trying to do so when extracting data from the warehouse to ancillary systems is going to offer sort of economies or scale or, or justifiable benefits. Um, you know, why not standardize closer to the source? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, how, like does the fact that, uh, you know, there's a lack of standardization and data warehouses can be pretty messy affect the value of, you know, tools like reverse ETL tools or or does it actually, you know, does the reverse ETL paradigm take this into account pretty well? Yeah, so from what we see, basically everyone um, across cloud data warehousing, any companies in cloud data warehousing starting to invest into kind of an ELT architecture where they're building transformations with a solution like DBT inside their warehouse to create those normalized views of what a user is, how much revenue they have, uh, resolving the entities of different accounts that they're serving, different things like this. And reverse ETL just benefits from that. So we don't solve that problem in a whole new way. We do one specific thing, which is helping companies take that data that they've already normalized using solutions like DBT and move it to the various different downstream systems. So Jeff asked why you can't do this closer to the source system. So the reason you can't do, you know, some of this plumbing within systems like Salesforce and stuff like that is, is honestly, you don't have like with the source systems, you just don't have uh, the capability to uh, join all these various different data sets together because one, you, you don't have them have them in there. So if you look at a system like like Salesforce, it is, it, it's only as valuable as the information that's actually in the system. And the, the truth of the matter is across the board, the only place where customers have, companies have all their information is becoming data warehouses and data lakes. And, and that's a really convenient place since people have the power of SQL to, to join the data together and, and build their own normalized views, um, however they think this information should be represented. So I'll I'll be very honest. I'm 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 taking this position that I find this reverse ETL thing, with all due respect, a lot of BS. Right? I'm an honest guy. That's why you do this. But let me actually go flip it around, and actually give you the benefit of the doubt about this. And uh, and something that's coming to mind is like, let's talk about personas, and an ETL tool traditionally like old school informatica and now five channel of stuff those are more tools for like personas of, of very technical personas so you're a data yeah. engineer and but then you are seen is like heck i I'm, i work in the marketing department i work in the finance department i just need to get my work done and it is so frustrating that i need to go work with this it the data warehouse data engineers like make my life easier please and and I'm more of a business person, data analyst in my domain of marketing or finance. And I'm probably tech, enough technically savvy to know basics of, of SQL. Reverse ETL or this mindset is more for the persona of more of the data analyst that says, give me enough. I mean, or let me go use enough of my SQL savviness to go do stuff. And then I can now push the data to the applications that I need to go solve my problem. So all of this to go say... The traditional ETL is for the data engineers, the more technical folks, while this reverse ETL is going to be more for let's call it business focused or uh, business types of of of, endures, of of personas. That's what's going through my head right now. What do you what do you think about that? Is this am I going in the right direction or different? Yeah, direction? it's 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 not wrong. Basically, what reverse ETL is actually allowing is is the business teams to make data of the data, make use of the data in the data warehouse. Um, in their actual workflows, 
I think a lot of companies are like, oh, if you want to use data, you know, you need to learn SQL or you need to look at a report to access them. But the truth of the matter is most of the work of these teams gets done in their own vertical tool for their unit, um, not a tool like Tableau or Looker. And reverse ETL is about allowing them to take anything in those in those reporting tools and make it show up in their tool so that they can utilize it, you know, for marketing campaigns or in their sales processes, et cetera. And um, yeah, I would say it's not like we shy away from the data team. Data teams are often tasked to solve this problem. They're often tasked, hey, can you get this metric in Salesforce? Hey, can you get this in Marketo? Hey, can you sync the CS? Can you sync the SQL query in, into your Facebook as a CSV so I can target these users? And we help data teams solve those tasks all the time, but we also have an interface that's easy enough that if someone's written a SQL query or created a looker report, a business user can come in and just make that data available in the systems they actually use. And Hyatt will just continue syncing it on a schedule. So imagine I'm like a marketer and I and I have a reverse ETL tool in my company, right? Um, and I've got a data warehouse. Um, you know, I know that uh, companies like Tableau and Looker, they have some of these functionalities that are like set up an alert or set up a, you know, you can do a little bit of like action-based stuff out of those platforms, right? Um, but is this new paradigm one in which the marketer <laughs> might actually go and look at the data warehouse or, Hey, maybe they're using a data catalog or something like that and, and go look and say, Hey, like, actually I want to key some data on this into my Marketo or my whatever tool it is. Right. And that they might actually go from seeing a piece of data to say like, Oh, wow. If I could get that in here, then I would do a, you know, a, a marketing, an automated workflow on marketing campaigns that would use this as an attribute or something like that. Like they could go from sort of finding it all the way to using it in sort of one process process themselves, like a self-service approach? Yeah. So the idea is that, um, yeah, they can go the, go all the way from finding it to actually having it show up in their systems. If they find that data inside of a Looker BI report, they can select that report and they can select the column from it they want. They can get that into, um, into any system like Salesforce, Marketo, Facebook, whatever it is. If they have a, a pre-existing query that someone's built, they can filter down the query to to you know, take a subset of the results um, by some certain criteria inside of the Hydrogen platform, uh, and what we call a segmentation engine. So they can they can segment the results in any way they want, and then sync those segments of results into different systems. But the idea is to actually uh, make the data in the warehouse and the, the the analysis effort that people are doing in BI tools way more useful by allowing customers by allowing different users across the business to actually be able to use it in their day to day processes, whether it's you know running marketing campaigns or selling to customers, looking for prospects, um, et cetera. Hmm. So, so, so we have a comment here, which on um, from a, from LinkedIn user moving data all over the place is not a bad thing. If it's governed and a golden source is respected, that's a fair point. I mean, you've, I think the whole, the whole issue, the kind of your goal is we do all this work. It lands into the, to the data warehouse, like in Snowflake, are you've done your DBT stuff or there. So it's fine, right? I should be able to go push all that data wherever the application needs to go. But that application is going to consume that data from the from, from the warehouse. But there is some logic in that application, the, the way it's perceived. So somebody needs to go do write that logic, which is in SQL. They're going to have to go write it for the Salesforce app, write it then for the Marketo app and so forth. But at some point, you're going to have more logic that you should say, well, shouldn't that logic be then pushed down to the data warehouse or or keep track of that logic? And then you realize, wait, wait, I need to now start cataloging all these different applications. And then this reverse ETL is something I need to go 
catalog itself because that's lineage because somebody's going to go through the Salesforce app and say, hey, that number, what is that number? I don't trust that number. We need to go we need to go trace it back to the source and it goes back to the warehouse and then we need to know where the lineage goes all the way back. I mean, so again, I'm just ranting here, <laughs> but it seems to me that this is, a pro I mean, I'm seeing it as a problem, but at the same time, it's like, what else do we have to go do? Like, do we probably have to go live with the situation and all we really need to go do is let's make sure that we do get the best out of it let's make sure that we have the best governed data warehouse with the data around that we know where that comes from we if we're going to go do reverse etl basically go and push data from the warehouse to the applications let's make sure that we're governing that very well we know what these what these mappings are and we know who did them why when was that done i mean that's really important is a, is a whole governance space into this um I'm just here talking, talking out loud about it. Guess totally. Yeah. I think basically governance and reverse ETL, like these things need to go hand in hand to make sure that you're doing something successful. Otherwise it's going to be the wild, wild west. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Jeff just pointed out in the comments again, there's no problem in moving data. It's really moving data that hasn't been standardized, that hasn't been normalized, hasn't been you know, documented catalog. And those are all things that reverse ETL alone can't solve, but has to be solved in conjunction with you know, modern data stack. That's where metadata solutions come in. That's where DBT uh, and different transformation solutions come in. Um, is and, there kind of um? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say, is there sort of an, an order that you need to go about these things? Like, do, do you think, like, you kind of need to get your, you know, usually in data warehouses these days, you have kind of your raw tables and you've got sort of your process tables and then you might have your aggregates and things like that. Like, do you kind of have to get your house in order a little bit ahead of time before you start using reverse ETL or is it kind of on a use case by use case basis? As long as that one use case is kind of mature and using sort of well-governed data, then you're in good, you're in a good, good shape for that use case. How do you, how do you think about that? Yeah. So I guess two things. Um, first, you know, things are never, never get, never happen in a perfect, perfect order, right? Right. And sometimes <laughs> the sales data might be, you know, at a certain maturity, and this new product data might not be because your company just acquired another company. So things, things are never perfect. Things are always changing, and uh, things are always being incrementally improved in, in any growing organization. Um, that being said, yeah, what we typically see, let's say a company buys a new data warehouse like Snowflake, the first thing they need to do is figure out how to get data into it. So they need to adopt a solution for ETL, like a five trend or a stitch. The second thing they need to do is, you know, throw up a BI tool or something so that they can actually visualize the data, report on it, show it to other users, run queries, save them. And this is when they buy something like a Looker, a Tableau, Mode, et cetera. Um, reverse ETL, it never comes before those steps for sure. It definitely only comes after those steps, but typically we even see another step before that, which is transformation. Um, so adopting a tool like DBT. Once users adopt a tool like DBT and they start building these these views and models that are in their data warehouse and nowhere else, it almost becomes obvious that they need to start being able to move that into the different systems that people live around the company. Since the data warehouse becomes a unique source of truth that has information that's really nowhere else, it's almost a data silo in some ways. Um, and that's where people start, start getting the need for reverse ETL and, and start adding it right on top. We obviously have users that don't have transformations or inside of their warehouse that don't have normalized data and they do use more complex SQL queries in, in Hightouch. But what we're finding is a majority of our users are are coming to us right after they do the transformation step. So part of the transformations and getting all this data right is about modeling, and that's actually totally. how we got connected, right? We, you and yeah. I, we were we're just uh, on Twitter. I, we had never connected before. I saw your comment on Twitter about it, and it was all about 
if you get the modeling right into the data warehouse, then life is going to be easier. And one of the things that I, that I, people know that I talk about this all the time is that we don't think about modeling a lot, right? It's really, I'm really frustrated that you become a data scientist doing all this work and nobody takes even courses or learns how about it, how to do uh, data modeling. I think what are, what are your recommendations or how, or how do you present this to, 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 to your folks and, and customers and prospects and stuff of understanding that modeling is such a very important thing that if you don't get the models right, then you're just going to put more weird garbage and spaghetti code and so forth. Yeah. I mean, the, the way I look at it is, um, I mean, I think this was the, the topic of the tweet, but it's basically the goal of every tool in the data stack is to, to make you only focus on data modeling as a company. The, the reason I say this is because I think there's a bunch of non-unique work in data engineering that people often get caught away with, you know, pulling data in from different sources into the warehouse, visualizing data and showing people sharing reports around the company, pushing data out to different systems. All of these sort of problems are problems that every single business faces. Data modeling is the one thing that no tool is going to be able to generically solve. There's no tool that's going to be able to say, you know, we do data modeling for your business or any business. It's a very unique problem. And it requires a, a human to actually look at it very differently for each business because there's a bunch of semantics that comes into play. So I think the goal for any data engineering team or, or data analyst team that's on a modern stack should be to use SaaS tools in a way so that they can avoid thinking about any problem except data modeling. And they can just focus all their energy on on making the best data models inside of their data warehouse for their business. And so that's what I've really comes asked, down to. I've asked this before. Out of all the modern data stack tools, companies, everything, there is no modern data modeling tool out there. Well, I think a transformation tool is is basically no, but trans transformation tool is a mapping. I mean, that's moving from one model, which is your source, to a model which is the target. I mean, the, the, I mean, how do you define your the the, the target schema, the SQL DDL? It's going to go in there. I mean. UML, all the UML tools to go do that, right? If we're thinking about relational, um, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be salesy here, but I could be. But the, the, there's stuff that we've done too. I don't want to bring that out, but I just think that there's just there, there's a lack of modeling tools. Like we're, and I think this is just a cultural stuff. We just focus on data, 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 while modeling is more about the knowledge. About you got to go talk to people about this stuff, and I think that's the part that we're missing. And there should be a modern data modeling, a modern data modeling tool, and and. And I think that's the one that we need to go fund. I want to go see more companies doing that. So people listening out. What do you think that would that would look like? What do you think that would look like in comparison to say a tool like DBT? I literally want a tool that is imagine a Google Docs combined with uh, dragging and dropping bubbles and lines and go do that, and that generates your. Your, your schema it, it, it's something that you should should be able to go share with people uh just in it's real time right comments like that's the modeling approach that we need to go do we don't have any of that stuff how do you define your sql ddl your your your, your schemas uh for your for your warehouse you write code for it that's not modern i, I think I architects think for this kind of stuff kind of have stuff. fallen yeah. out of sort of the mainstream here, right? And, and I think data engineers and data scientists and data analysts now have become kind of on the front lines of designing these types of models. And in many cases, they're not really thinking about models or knowledge first type approach, right? It's kind of like DBT, like I agree with you, Tejas, like DBT is maybe the closest thing in the modern data stack to sort of modeling today. Totally. But it, it is more like it's efficiency focused, right? It's I got to get from point A to point B. Here's the transformation that gets me there. 
but what does it what what is it what is the business definition it ties to what is the the greater sort of model for the business that it ties to it just isn't a big focus today i feel like for most companies and i'm not sure that's wrong and I, it actually feels like um solutions like dbt allow you to you know, incrementally chip away at problems i, I kind of think a lot of people overemphasize on you know data modeling uh best practices or philosophies or things like that when i feel like the most important thing is just to make it easier and easier to query the data and and make it more make it make more and more sense and and that's kind of the mindset that a lot of analysts or analytics engineers are taking with tools like dbt today i have sql queries that require five joints today these are the attributes i'm always looking at yeah. let me pull those up and make a view for it and, but, and maybe that's the future maybe it's building on dbt right like maybe juan the future of, of modeling is to take something like dbt and you know, integrate it with the catalog, integrate it with, you know, uh, the graph, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think we need to have another topic on just pure modeling. Um, that, I think that's going to be a good one after that. After, I, I mean, after this discussion, realize, but talking about consolidation, you just mentioned something. I'm very curious. Do you think, I mean, the stuff that, you, that, that, uh, that your company is doing, and there's other companies who are doing it, which my For other sure. question what what differentiates all the companies right i mean at the end of, i mean again don't take this the wrong way but it's honest no bs this seems to be like just a nice very api wrapper layer around the sql queries that's how i define this how what's the different so whatever what's the differentiator between different companies who are competing in this space in this category which you're arguing that it's going to be a big one a very big category which i am extremely skeptical about that that's one thing and second why? I mean, I, I could imagine that any existing company out, I mean, a Snowflake, uh, 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 I, I mean, a, a DBT, like they're going to go do it too, right? So what is what differentiates the, the, the companies in this category and what makes you really think that this category is actually going to exist when it's not just going to be eaten up by a data warehouse or existing integration tools? Yeah, so I think if I was a data warehouse or, or a DBT or something like that, this isn't the first category I'd get into. I think if I was a DBT, probably consider things a bit closer to um, lineage okay. or QA or something like that. <laughs> or Snowflake, I think, I'm thinking, how do I get platform value of this and how do I keep my edge over the clouds that are catching up, especially on Google side, for example. So I think for us, what we really, what we really see as kind of our um, uh, long-term differentiation is, is the way we build integrations and our philosophy of that, which is to treat every single one of them as a product um, where we're trying to appease the user of that platform. So our Marketo integration should be usable by people who love Marketo. Salesforce integration should be usable by the Salesforce advocates. Facebook ads should be usable by people who live and breathe in Facebook ads. And that's like a, a very complex problem and kind of a mode that we're building with just a lot of deep integrations that don't all look and feel the same. I think really what we see in, in the competition and kind of the other players in the reverse deal space is um, the, 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 they seem to have a very generic view of the world, you know, pushing a field from here to here. And when you're pushing a field to a Facebook audience list, it looks like you have to map over the list ID as a field instead of, you know, if you actually use Facebook ads, you know that you want the product to automatically go create a list in Facebook and sync data to it because that's the workflow that marketers actually have when it comes to Facebook ads. So I think really what, what, um, the big differentiator is going to be is going to be really understanding all of these tools, the users behind them, and building a product that abstracts over all this so that the users of each tool in each department can actually use the platform um, to take data from the warehouse to solve the different business problems across the stack. Um, the other thing we focus on is at the same time just building a primitive, like a, a foundational platform that data engineering teams 
want at the core of their data stack. So that means really good visibility, like a debugger, version control integration, so you can actually manage this stuff when you have tons and tons of syncs, alerting, um, and, and, and all of the above that you would expect if, if you were to build the best reverse ETL platform in-house. Yeah, I'll, I, I, I can see that that's a way of differentiating between different companies is what, what's the user that you're really focusing on and what's the type of problems and, and use cases that. But um, Tim, could I pass it on to you? Yeah, so you know we're we're getting to our lightning round now, so I think it would be good for us to go ahead and talk about some quick questions. Um, it'll be a yes or no answer, and if you want to add a sentence or two for additional context, like feel free. Uh, but we'll see if we can squeeze in a little extra here, some interesting and fun topics. So uh, we've uh, we actually got uh, uh, four here. So we, we a couple came up during the conversation here, which is going to be fun. So. First one, uh, Juan, uh, why don't you start us off? Yeah. Uh, so will ETL and reverse ETL merge in the future? So my perspective is no. The reason for that, I think reverse ETL just has fundamentally way different personas than, than ETL. Uh, you can see you can see this in our product. Like last week, we just launched a new area of the product, audiences. We realized a common workflow marketers need uh, when syncing data to different tools is they need to build different audiences of that data set using a audience builder or like kind of a segmentation feature. So you can see users who fit this criteria, that criteria, and it looks like a marketing UI, but it all runs in the data warehouse and allows you to easily sync the data to different tools after after you've done that step. So I think really what we're finding is reverse ETL, every integration needs to think of it as a product. And uh, that's that's the kind of our, our differentiator between the ETL tool, which just gets the data in and it's good enough. I love that uh, response because uh, it, it goes back to what we kind of started this off with, which was you were mentioning that reverse ETL kind of, you know, if it's the term that takes off, then that's great, right? But it's kind of interesting how it's really not just reverse ETL. It's actually a very different sort of category. That's interesting. Um, so next question here. Um, will there be more no-code data engineers in the future than coding data engineers in the future? Totally. I think my perspective is that um, companies shouldn't be focusing on, you know, writing all these integrations and doing all these things that require custom code. They should really, really, really be focused on data modeling and the rest of the problems, whether it's you know, building streaming systems, moving data into the warehouse, moving data out of the warehouse, making reports, putting stuff in your app should really be solved by, um, by SaaS platforms. So my perspective is a lot of the data engineering plumbing work, as you see it today, will be transitioned into really data modeling work and, and making data um, represented by your business. I love that. I, I can't wait for me to be able to do a little bit more data engineering because I'll, I'll say my Python's not great. <laughs> Fair enough. It is. All right. So is ETL plus warehouse plus reverse ETL the new master data management? Yes, that's actually correct. I think ETL plus warehouse plus DBT plus Plus reverse ETL is oh, okay, okay, good. and I, or CDP, yeah. And that, sorry, and, and, or and CDP. I think MDM and CDP are both equally confusing terms. Basically, what they all both do: move a bunch of data into one place, transform it into some sort of model, move it out to other places, creating oh, okay. the source of truth, spreading it. So technically, ETL. We say that DBT is the T of ETL, so it's in there. So I think we'll say the ETL includes DBT plus warehouse reverse ETL is the new MDM slash CDP. Wow, there's a lot of TLAs right there. Tim, that, that was a lot of acronyms. <laughs> All right, uh, that's interesting. I love that. Um, okay, uh, last lightning round question here. Will self-service reverse ETL 
into applications be actually more common in the future than self-service BI? Yeah, my perspective is that self-service BI is mostly a failure and most applications will not, most, most users just across the company won't be able to learn how to use different business intelligence tools. They'll use vertical systems that already exist instead of say vertical BI tools. They'll actually use the systems that already exist that they live out of, whether it's sales users in Salesforce, marketing using Marketo, et cetera. And the real connective glue between the data and those users will be a retail platform. It's interesting. In some ways, we're creating a new category. In some ways, we're competing with some some usage of existing categories like like BI tools. This is one of the more compelling aspects of the future that I'm excited about that this conversation brings up for me because, you know, I think so many people kind of think of like, oh, let's put the power of machine learning in the hands of people. Oh, here's your data robot, right? Or like, hey, let's put the power of, uh, you know, of uh, visualization in the hands of everybody. Here's your looker. Here's your tableau. But like in the end, most people are spending their time in Salesforce and Marketo and like all these different domain specific tools, right? And now you see the data mesh pushing more towards the domain. Very interesting things are afoot in the data space. Exactly. So yeah, I think in a lot of ways, th that's why I actually think reverse detail is going to be up there with BI in terms of use cases of the warehouse. Really, in the end of the day, people are looking for better ways to use the data and use the definitions that they're creating. And a reverse detail is the is is really one of the only new solutions to that. For after decades of just being stuck with you know good old BI with mm -hmm. new flavors. All right. Well, TTT time. Tim, take us away with your takeaways. All right, let's do some takeaways. So first of all, I, I, I appreciated your sort of definition around reverse ETL, right? It's about moving the data from the data warehouse back to your applications. Pretty straightforward. And I wrote a little bit about when we talked about with the about the why, right? You're trying to take action on it and have better context in the applications and specifically within those different domain applications, right? If you're a salesperson, a finance person, a marketing person, an HR person, you have the apps that you spend most of your time in. Um, I thought that was a great way to think about very simply what reverse ETL is. Um, and then I liked your response to the lightning round question around, you know, ETL, warehouse, DBT, good addition, uh, reverse ETL. This is sort of the new MDM, the new CDP. I think that's interesting because I've always been very... Uh, not so skeptical of CDP because I see what it's trying to do, but I've been very skeptical of MDM. I've not heard of enough sort of success cases in the world of master data management versus Total. the amount of money actually being invested in ma master data management. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for what the modern data stack might bring in this area. It reminds um, me of an old episode we have on on MDM, or an over early mm -hmm. episode where I asked you, Tim, Good episode, what yeah. is MDM? And you're like, hmm, that's fancy data integration. <laughs> fancy data integration. <laughs> yeah. What, what so, about you, Juan? What are your, your big takeaways? So I, I, I'm, I'm skeptical about this whole reverse ETL, but one thing that really got are, me- Are you skeptical? Like, are you sure you're skeptical? <laughs> but one thing, one thing that got me to him is like, hey, something that makes sense is that is the normal traditional ETL is for more technical data engineers, and you can see this reverse ETL being more connected, understanding what are the personas, the users, and their specific business problems. So you're really addressing connecting more to those business users, and you can be able to go create these tools connected to the business users. And so I think that that's a big aha moment for me. I re I, I really mm. appreciate it. I, Really appreciate getting that out of this conversation. Second one is is this kind of not surprising, but the realization that governance is still so important to make sure we get the most value out of the whole process. That governance and this reverse detail need to go hand in hand. And part of that also 
is the modeling, right? I think this is something that we need to go have more of the modeling and we need to have modern uh, data modeling tools. And kind of following up on Tim's thing, I the, the ETL warehouse, what I love is those, all these TLAs, ETL DBT plus DW plus reverse ETL equals MDM or CDP. It's a lot of word or Kurdish stack. Yeah, the ETL Okay. So Tejas, back to you. Final two questions. One, what's your advice about data, about life, whatever? And second, who should we invite next? My advice is to try to write as little code as possible. Use SaaS services. And my uh who should we invite next? Have you had materialize on the show? Arjun from Materialize. I think you'd be you'd be great to talk about uh, kind of the future of data warehouses, streaming SQL. Um, isn't Frank Frank McSherry part of? Materialize? Yeah, yeah, that's his co-founder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you also recommended who? Uh, Arjun, who's who's, who's uh, the other co-founder of, of Materialize. Okay. Yeah. But right. Materialize, I guess you already had shown them. Yeah, I've I I met Frank once at a conference uh, at a database. He's an academic, so we met at the Sigma database conference. So yeah, that's we a great show, though, right? No, no, no. We, we get to, to to bring him on. Perfect. Tias, um, thank you so much. This was a fantastic conversation. I'm came in very very skeptical. I'm leaving skeptical, but with some really good insights about this. And and and, and I th- I, there is there is. I a, always there, appreciate a good skeptic. Well, actually, so here's the funny thing: is that before uh, earlier today, we were talking with uh, with Erica, with Erica Bird Hardinson. I know that you guys are meeting soon. Yeah, I'm meeting him tomorrow because uh, he's going to be on our show. Uh, I think I'm looking up right now, uh, November third, and he's like, right? Two weeks ago, I had no idea what reverse ETL was. So that's kind of where we had a, we had an earlier discussion with him. So this is really cool that we had it, and hopefully he's listening uh, or he'll listen to this later, um, and. And I think this is just more conversations on these topics we need to go have. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. This has been great. Cheers, Tejas. Adios. This is Catalog and Cocktails.